Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a to be Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another show of the Green and Gold Rugby Program, where the show that's getting you over the advantage line on the hottest topics of Australian rugby. And I must admit, there was a bit of a struggle to get that out because it's been a while since I've been on the show. This is uh, Rugby Reg, and it's, uh, it's, it's, I was going to say, it's great to be back. It's always good to be on the podcast chatting rugby with some mates, um, but it would have been better if there was more positive things to talk about. But joining me uh, tonight uh, on the podcast are the usual accomplices in uh, Matt Gagger, and Hugh Cavill, how are you, boys? I'm sorry, who's this? Who this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you introduced yourself. I wouldn't have recognised that, that voice otherwise. It has been. I would like to know how long it has been, but it has been quite a while, probably since the NRC. But um, that's for different reasons. It's not as if I wasn't loyal to the Wallabies. It's just that's bloody daylight saving makes it all the oh, more yeah. tougher to get us aligned. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, yes, I'll, I'll accept that excuse. Then that, that's yeah. fine, Reg. Well, that's Obviously, good, you've been, uh, you know, working on your audio quality, Reg. Because uh, I tell you what, some of the podcasts in the previous weeks have. Uh, been less than optimal in that regard. Yeah, no, what's going on? I actually turned off last seat's episode. I couldn't listen to it. No, I can't <laughs> <laughs> we, we, no, we were going for the uh, recorded in the toilet bowl uh, sort of genre. I think we nailed it. Yeah, he did well. It's the um, it used to be a couple of kids in the a couple of blokes in the bar having a chat. Now it's a couple of kids in the in the cubicle. Well, it's, it's taken us 300 episodes to get that poorer quality. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we I nailed it. We've achieved it a few times, I reckon. Yeah. Um, look, lads, let's get, get stuck into it. We do have our five burning questions and obviously have a fair bit to talk about. Let's call this the, um, I guess, the season wrap-up. It's unlikely we'll be back again this season. Um, but uh, let's call it the season wrapper. We look back onto what was a, a fairly uh, dire <laughs> or, or, wallaby or the, season. the season, the season lament, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think the technical <laughs> term you're looking for is uh, eulogy. <laughs> <laughs> we seem to have a few of those this season, so we're trying to keep it a little bit positive. But we'll, we'll see what goes. We're, we're getting good at them, aren't we? Yeah, mm. yeah, mm. we are. Um, so, you know, it's surprising Alan Jones hasn't called us up for a segment on the show, considering that you utilised his services earlier this year. I'm surprised he hasn't returned the, returned the favour. Mm. Um, five burning questions. Okay, question one, what the hell did we take away from that loss? Do we take anything away from that loss? Question two, is there any way the Wallabies can turn it around? We're talking 2019 and beyond. Well, let's focus on 2019. Question three, is it time to blow up the whole thing and start again? What do we do with rugby in Australia? Question four, uh, what are the positives from this season? Are there any? And question five, uh, what's there to look forward to over the off-season? So um, a few things to dive into there. Let's get stuck straight into that England Test match. The Wallabies uh, obviously went down 37-18, which was, what did we say, that's the 13th game of the season. I think we won... Uh, how many? Gosh, four. I can't even remember. Four games this season. So I think someone worked out it's the worst season since 1958 for over you know a certain number of games. But um, dire season, anyway, you look at it, and it capped off uh, pretty typically with a big loss to England. Matt, uh, what was your read of the game, mate? Just uh, another dire performance? 
were we any at any hope at any time? I guess we started on the back foot pretty damn quickly, didn't we? Yeah, look, uh, you know, we were in striking distance at half time, right? And you would have said that actually, but it, it, this feels like every Wallabies performance you talk about, uh, but especially recently, uh, the what ifs. Uh, if if Rodder had got through Farrell, uh, scored the try, and or if Farrell had been yellow carded and given a penalty try, which he most definitely should have um, in that position. What does that look like? I say that, but I'm certain England would have won. I just, by the end of that match, you, you kind of watch it. And even if we'd had that leg up, um, I think we've spectacularly proven how poor we are at scoring points against decent teams of 14 men. Um, I, don't think, I, I don't think it would have made that much difference. And I think England just looks so much more composed and uh, fuller team than we did. Um, I think they still would have won that and probably fairly comfortable. So, you know, I, I, I'm just trying to look down the questions of which one we have the full whinge about Jaco Piper, I guess it's this one. Well, it's so this one. The, what do we take out of it? Jaco's a terrible referee? Oh, yeah, I mean, we already knew that, right? It's just that he's just looking for new excuses. Um, the one he actually said where he said, um, he, you pulled back and Hooper's sitting there going, so that wasn't even a penalty? And he goes, yeah, well, I thought your player, talking about Rodder, the ball carrier, dropped his shoulder too. So, you know, it's, it's all a bit of a wash. And I was just like, oh, what are you talking about? Rodder's the ball, he's, he's the ball carrier. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, is he, has he got a duty to stand up straight so he can be tackled? Um, anyway, just so Piper just got to new. I here's the thing, um, and I know I'm kind of known as the tinfoil hat person, uh, you know, for, on the podcast. But I really do. Piper does think I think he finds his best to argue certain teams in in a in a in a in a, in a, in a match. And I just think that kind of shows the flawed thinking. You have to twist yourself around to not award that. That's just absolutely incomprehensible, especially with what happened only two weeks, two two matches earlier. Yeah. Yep. Exact same player, exact same situation. The whole world blew up and said, what are you talking about? So anyway, um, I'm sure someone, you guys might have another view on that. But look, just going back to the more generalised Wallabies performance, yeah, I, I thought that was yet another one. I think Eddie Jones must be getting bored of yeah. just just beating Australia in exactly the same way in, in, in every situation. Um I, the, the, the thing that I, I was just thinking about this today was like um, I'm trying to remember which try it was where we were attacking down the left flank. Um, it, it kind of needed a, a, a pass to go to hand. It didn't. It went to the ground. England chipped ahead, basically ran 80 metres and, and scored. That, that was um, the no try. To, uh, yeah, it was just Johnny May in the end, but yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, right, yeah. Oh, that's right, yeah, because he stepped out. But I was just looking at that and, and just thinking – what is it about this Wallabies team that they manage to give away tries or chances like that so often in test matches? It seems to be like one of our hallmarks um, of, of, of being able to do that. And where I got to by the end of this match, for me, what it absolutely cemented was that, you know, we talk about, people talk about, is it the players? It's not Checker. It's it's the system or it's the players. Yeah. This this sealed for me that actually I think those players are good enough. Even with two senior players, oh my, and that's Jesus. Another thing we need to talk about. But even with two senior players ruled out because of you know uh, transgressions. Um, actually, I think we've now found it was three because I think Sefer was also stood down because of the bus. Did we find that out today? Uh, no, no, that um, was a, no, that was a previous game. But yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. 
So then um, if even even with that kind of going on, you know, I think our guys showed they had enough, as in there's enough raw material there. But what I definitely came away with, and that's completely nailed it for me for the whole of this season, and I guess this kind of spills over to some of the other ones, is just it's the coaching. They are completely bereft of of any game plan or idea outside of a very, very simple structure and shape. I think there's some great players in there. I think they've shown it. I think in 2015 they showed how far they can go. And no, no, no doubt Checkers hoping that, we, that he can roll the same dice and they can make it somehow again. A little bit of luck and a lot of chutzpah. Uh, but I think it's just shown comprehensively these guys are just undercoached. Um, yeah. They don't, you know, and, and, and the, the coaches, for whatever reason, are just not getting it out of them. That This game for me was the nail in that coffin. I walked away yeah. and said, having watched that whole season, that is coaching. That is that is just not doing the job. That was that was that was it for me. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think that even the impact of, of selections and uh, are shown there. I don't see a game plan, and it, it's a frustrating to see that um, that lack of, uh, of, I guess, ideas there. Hugh, you made a, a point on the forum that was similar to that, and that you know you, you, we see glimpses of ability of these players, which would indicate they're good enough, as good as anyone going around. But it's whatever it's the combinations that's they're not forming, they're not sustaining it for anywhere near eighty minutes, and then uh, you know that coaching impact is is significant there. Yeah, um, I totally agree with what Map said. Is is I think that you know in terms of what you take away from the loss, you know, there's plenty of lessons. But I, I mean, I look at the back half of the first half. You know, when we went down, you know, seven nil early, and yeah. then I think it was what ten three and. Um, you know, then to get back to 13 all at half time, we played some really good rugby. Yeah. You know, scoring a try to Israel Folau, we had a, we actually did score a try through, um, I think it was Dan Hale at Petty, um, but that was called back for a forward pass. I thought that was probably a fair enough call. Yeah. But, you know, we rebounded from that. We scored a really good try to Israel Folau, and then we, you know, should have probably had another one either through a penalty try or through Isaac Rodder. But, you know, the thing that got me was overall the game – and I said this on the forum, the game came down to patience and composure. You know, England had these phases where, where they'd go for, you know, five, ten minutes at a time with the ball in hand and it felt just relentless, but they weren't doing a huge amount with it. There were no fancy backline moves or really radically um, new tactics. They were just moving the ball from side to side. They were using forward pods and hitting up. They mm. were going through the back line and often being caught behind the advantage line. But their ball retention was good. Their ball handling was good. Their basic skills were good. And then the mistakes from the Wallabies came. They waited on the mistakes and they took advantage of them. It was a missed tackle from Dane Hallett Petty or it was a good offload from Owen Farrell or, you know, there was um, a, you know, a lovely little kick in behind, a chip in behind that fell nicely for, for England. I mean... There were a few different examples, whereas you compare that to the way the Wallabies played, and especially outside of that 20-minute period, every time we got the ball, it, it, it was either a, an aimless kick that, that, you know, an up and under that, that wasn't competitive. It was a, um, you know, a short kick to touch, or, or we made a mistake of some kind. We tried to force a pass, and, and, and All that you know, big, there's... That sorry, big Rich. wide pass, so that, I was just going to say, the other, yeah. you know... Constant is that big floating wide pass that we've started to do this last half of the season, which I guess is trying to counter the the up and in defence, the umbrella defence or whatever. But considering it's 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 been obvious for the last few months, we still haven't quite nailed it. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and and those passes can work if you get them in the right spot. But the thing is we've either got them you know, slightly too high or too yeah. too far back. And, and and they're the skills. And, I mean, look, even that, you look at the Isaac Rodder um, penalty try decision, and let's put that aside because, you know, it happened, it happened. You know, regardless of that, we'd still had a line break, um, you know, we and the ball on the trial line basically – and the fact that, you know, uh, we couldn't convert that opportunity because we threw a silly pass and it oh, went out gosh. the back and England got up. And, that, I mean, that's the stuff that you've just got to be patient and, and, and get through. Um, same thing with Matt, you know, that, that uh, incident you spoke about with England going 80 metres or almost going 80 metres. It was because we tried to fling it wide on a set piece and Stefan Naivalu, instead of going inside and taking the tattle, tackle, he went outside and then flung an offload in field that didn't go to hand. And so, you know, they're the things that, that, that have been killing us. And, I, you know, I think the talent is there. And, you know, the forward pack performance, I mean, the scrums, we had a few bad scrums, but we also had a few pretty decent scrums. And on our own ball, we held the ball pretty well. The line-out was much improved. Um, and, you know, in the physicality stakes, we did pretty well. Um, you know, as I said, our defence was, was 80% of the way there. You know, I, I don't know. I, I felt like – I felt like um, – you know, we, we sort of let it slip in that second half there. But, the, you know, they showed that on balance, I don't think it takes a huge amount to get behind. The the, the only other thing I'll, I'll throw back to you with, Reg, is there was a piece of analysis by, I think it was Charlie Taylor on Rugby Pass, um, talking about our plays from opening kickoffs and comparing what we did against the Springboks in um, South Africa to what we did in England this game. And it was exactly the same thing where we take the ball – almost on our 22, take a hit up, and then through the next two phases in the most predictable way possible, give it to forward pods that get caught five metres behind the gain line. So instead of now on the 22, we're in our own 10-metre line and forcing ourselves back to a kick on our own trial line, which in South Africa was intercepted, a pass that was intercepted, and in the game against England, it was charged down. And it's just just bizarre tactics that just make no sense at all and and put us in a in a worse position to make a clearing kick. It, it's just that sort of unfathomable stuff that I'm not sure what we gain out of it. We've never gained anything out of that tactic, and it's such a hallmark of how we play now. And it's it's you know even a a, a primary school coach can probably pick it. It's it's just so dumb. I, it's sort of symptomatic of where we are at the moment. I reckon. Yeah, exactly right. There's no uh, there's no thought behind it. I mean, obviously that's the tactic that they've decided to use consistently, and that's all they do. There's no thought that I think was it Kepa who got smashed the tackle before the Hallett Petty kick and got driven backwards, at least one of the forwards. And all of a sudden we're on our back foot, but we still go through with the kick, despite the fact that we're, we're already sort of trucking backwards. You've got to realign that. You've got to change your plan. You've got to think about what's best for the situation. That, um, I guess, that hate to say it, the playing what's in front of you, you know, isn't there. They're, they're, they're too robotic, unfortunately. Um, the... I mean, the other obvious thing, I, I think you're right, and I've said this for a while, and even I think man-on-man for the All Blacks, other than a few positions, you know, I think we line up okay. We've got very talented individuals, and, you know, we'll get to what might happen next year, and there's some good talent coming back. But, gosh, and I know you talked about it previously, the Ireland All Black game, the difference there is the Ireland still giving it, for, you know, as, as, as hard as they started in the last 20 minutes of that game, whereas we fade in and out, in and out. And I, I don't understand what that is, that psyche. And I, you know, Checker talked about during a, a run of a few games in the rugby championship about, you know, wanting the players to get up and get involved again and, and again. And I can only imagine that's that's a mentality thing. But I just, I don't understand 
why, yeah, what's causing that to just um, to drop in us out of games like that, Matt? You sort of talked about it. Is it a, not mm-hmm. responding to the coaches thing? Is it just a fatigue of the voice uh, type thing? Is it purely fitness? I don't know because it's 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 damn frustrating that we don't have the ability to use the skill we have. We we don't have that mental stability or whatever it is. Well, it'd be it'd be fascinating to you know watch a series of of training or, or see what they're doing like you know for yeah. a number of weeks yeah. weeks on you know for i don't know for a week or two weeks um to get a, a feeling for the depth of what they're doing because it's very clear to me like you know it's clear take the all blacks the all blacks quite clearly run drills of what they do when they're 14 men right when yeah. they give away their yellow card like they're always going to do because they're a bunch of cheating pricks they know they're going to have to go to 14 men what do you do then and, and how you're going to lift, right? And it's not just a tactical thing. It's like a whole mental approach, you know, what we're going to do. And I think that's, you know, you see that in the best teams. Now you see that in Ireland. Um, you started to see that in England. And I think in some of these teams that don't have the all-round skills, that people say, oh, but we don't have the skills of the All Blacks. What you think, you know, you think what the English training system from 15 years ago was that good, that their skills are that much better than ours now? I don't mm. think so. And I don't think so in Ireland either. So I think what's clearly happened, though, is that they're being coached better now and they have been in the last few years. I mean, how long has Checker had this team now? So we're knocking on five, six years? Well, yeah, it'll be just, you know, World Cup to World Cup and he had it, you know, half a season before that. Okay, so, yeah, we're knocking on four years. I mean, he's had a good three years since the 2015 World Cup. Yep. And you just, you see, I mean, it's going backwards. It's yep. definitely not getting better. And you've got a good chunk of players. And so where I'm getting to on that is what I'd love to see. I'd love to see, do they do, like, um, in-game situations where they say, right, now two players come off that team, you're 13 men down because, you know, because um, we've done yet again something really, really, really stupid. We've got some yellow cards. Now what happens? Talk me through the strategy. What are you going to be doing? Bernard, where are you kicking to? Why are you? Who's doing the chasing? Who's, you know, who's doing this? Who's doing that? I can't believe, or, you know, um, things are not going your way. Suddenly, you know, ref's done this or something like that. What's the tactics? What are we doing now? Or, you know, you watch this team, and I think what's different for the other teams that are playing really well is you get the sense that in those situations they have plans. They know what they're going to do, and they can just go back to executing that. With us, I bet that we're running around with sun visors on uh, low socks, and we're just playing that one-way system, right? That we're yeah. playing that one-way system in bibs, which is basically like hard touch. That's my sense out of watching our guys, is that we just play that loose thing and check goes, guys, yeah. back yourselves. I'm here, you back yourselves. So, Karevi, you're going to run yourself into touch and throw some speculator? You go for it, mate. You know, Sefa, you reckon you're going to, rather than running in like any international wing would, no, you stay out and see if you can do something amazing around the touchline. That that is my sense of what is going on there in coaching. It seems to me that um, uh, that Bernie Larkin has just given up and said we don't do set plays anymore. You guys don't seem to be able to cut it, so we'll just go with this same sort of you know two man ball thing and and just just see if it works. Um, and in defence, God knows what's happening, and, and and that's where it feels like we've got to. Yeah, that's a great uplifting tale. Obviously, and it's, I mean, it's depressing. It's hard. To, it's hard to tell, and I think that's the thing. There's, there's, we can't tell. It's, it's hard to see. It's hard to justify. There's any coaching going on. How we're seeing them play, 
for the reasons we've said. Look, let's touch on a couple of things from the game. I don't want to harp on the yellow card, but it was, and England were the better team and they should have won. But when you think about the opportunity to, one, the Wallabies go up at half time, two, England lose their captain, their fly half, their goal kicker for 10 minutes. It was a monstrous decision. And, and, and like you said, Matt, I, I don't think I've ever seen such an obvious decision um, missed like that or gotten so wrong. And I, you know, perhaps we don't need to say too much more about it, but I just wanted to get that in there too. Um, has there been any comment on this from World Rugby, either either of the Farrell tackles? Because I haven't seen any. Have you, I haven't seen anything other than Angus Gardner got referee of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, Hugh, have you seen anything that justifies either of those or make, makes any sense of it? No, no, to be honest. And actually, I think this one was even worse than the oh, yeah. one in the South African game. Yeah. Because um, at least you could make an argument that what he was trying to do there. But that was just... Yeah, it was it was a very very strange decision, and you know he didn't even go to the TMO. It just it just the whole thing. I mean, Yarko, what Yarko does this is what Yarko does. Actually, in terms of managing the flow of a game, he's generally pretty good. But he will have one or two just harebrained moments every game where he just loses his mind, and it's as predictable as night following day. And 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 sure enough, there it is. You know, um, it was. Yeah, like it was it was pretty vintage Jaco. Well, can I talk about another moment in the game though that left left me um, spellbound? Was the first English scrum? Yeah, that absolutely monstered out. Uh, like as it's in, embarrassing. Andy Sheridan right done stuff. Yeah. Oh wow, where did that come from? Uh, and 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 how did it happen? I just I was just like, wow, this is the first scrum of the match. You can't call it fatigue. Uh, yeah, or, or, but then, or anything but like then that. we had our first scrum 10 minutes later. We had our first scrum on our ball, and it was rock solid. I don't understand. Uh, just a mind. I, I don't know what it was. And, you know, we had our, you know, our most experienced front row, other than Latu. You know, we don't know who our best hooker is. But, you know, with Kepu and Co starting, um, there's no reason for that to happen. And and a couple of hefty guys behind them, but it was it was incredible and it was embarrassing because I think the English commentator was at Stuart Barnes was going on about Australia's history of poor scrums and you know he were we thinking half confidently that actually our scrums a lot better than it was and then that happens again it was uh, it was a flashback to two thousand and seven and 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 beyond sort of thing. Well, is it Sinclair? Is, is it Sinclair on the loose head for um, for the Poms? Because whoever it was on the loose head was just coming straight through as far as I could see. Um, yeah, but, but you, you, they're not giving us any of that sort of um, overhead thing spider anymore, cam so. anymore. Yeah, so there goes my um, <laughs> there goes any any chance of, of doing any sort of analysis on any of that anymore. Um, yeah, that was but, Ben uh, Moon. Yeah, I mean it. It just um, but yeah, but he just seemed to be going straight through. Um, all the pressure was coming through that side. Didn't look terribly angled, but it, you know you didn't get a camera. Um, it looked no. to me also that you just got a bloody good shove from his. I mean. What was it? Um, was it um, Laws and Atoja who were on at that stage? And yeah, yeah. They just add, it looked to me like they just put a big, big shove on, um, and then yeah. just held it back on on our ball. Um, yeah, that, that was quite frightening. Yeah, it was. Um, look, let's just talk about a couple of in the leading up lead up the, the Ashley Cooper and the Beal thing. Um, really interesting spin on it, and. and where do you sit on this one, Hugh? I mean, in the scheme of things, it's not a significant issue, um, but in terms of, uh, you know, team culture and, and abiding by what the team set out as, as their standards they wanted to play by or live by, 
um, you know, was it the right decision? It's hard to tell not being in the team. I think a lot of the commentary around it has been a little bit sensational. Um, And I I sort of, you know, I I feel like it is – I'm not sure it's an appropriate sanction for what they did. On the face of it, I think it's a little bit harsh considering the significance of the game. It's England um, at Twickenham and it's obviously a huge game and both, you know, of those players were conceivably a chance of selection. It wasn't like they were wider squad um, dirties. Um, Look, but it's hard to know without being on the inside of the squad as to what the mood's like. I was interested to see that Georgina Robertson on, on Twitter actually said that, you know, all of the Wallabies teams she's covered, she actually believes this to be really quite mm. harmonious in, in, in the camp. And that's sort of one of the reasons why the form slump is more perplexing. Um, and I, I take that at face value. So it, it, it's hard. I, I don't know. The significance is it's everything and nothing. It depends on your, your perspective. I think there are people that would just, the, that for this, it proves that Curly Beals a cancer and should never wear the Wallabies jumper again. And same with Ashley Cooper. Um, but at the same time, there are people that think, you know, and a couple of ex-players or current players I've seen on Twitter that think it's a bit of an overreaction to something that, that is fairly benign. Um, I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I think the team rules seem pretty cut and dried and I don't know why they couldn't follow them. And, and ignorance, I don't think, is a huge excuse. Um, but on the other hand, rubbing them out of the England game, I think, is pretty strong. So, look, I think that probably means that, you, you know, if you're pissing off both sides, you've been, you've probably got something right. So it might be in this case that um, it's right. But I, I, I don't buy that this is a sign that the team is in turmoil or that, that, that Czech has lost the players because there's, there's no other evidence that's, that suggests that that's the case. Give yeah. us the Queensland view. Go on, Reg. Um, oh, look, I, I'm... I'm pissed off that it was senior players involved. So the Sefanai Valu link in here, Matt, is that he missed a bus to training over in South Africa, I think it was, and um, was suspended for a match. So by all reports, that influenced this decision, whereby the senior leadership team, which was Hooper, Phipps, Alatoa, Karevi, and someone else, I think, um, didn't want it to be perceived as double standards. And they might have got a heads up from some of the other players in the squad to say, look, Sefa got suspended for a game for missing a bus. These guys have also broken the team rules and had people in their um, in their room. What's the double standards there? So I think that's what really stimulated the discussion for Hooper to take it to, uh, to Checker. And by all reports, that was a Thursday before the Italy game, but it was too close to the game to cause that. So... He waited till Tuesday the next week, or they waited till Tuesday the next week, and and Czech sort of reacted instantly. So look, you know, I uh, if it was Jake Gordon and Jordan Pattaya, um, you know, I'd probably be more uh, softer on that because it's the first two, and I, I probably would expect the same sort of um, uh, punishment. But because it's Ashley Cooper and Beale who are senior statesmen, and as I said on Twitter. Ashley Cooper's on this tour to be a mentor. I don't care if it's his sister-in-law and there's a couple of girls in their room. You only have to jump on Twitter. They're not in luxury suits, suites. These are, you know, small twin shared rooms. You know, it's not appropriate. You know, they break the team rooms. These guys are the senior leaders. They're there to mentor the young guys. They did the wrong thing. They did the, you know, they, they get the crime. They, they do the time sort of thing. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very disappointed in both of them for what it's worth. Well, and I actually think people go, oh, what's the difference? It's just whoever it was and because it wasn't a wild sex party, it's not a problem. Um, uh, although, geez, Ashley Cooper would be in a lot of trouble if it was uh, <laughs> with his sister-in-law. But um, there's no allegation of that um, in any way. 
Um, no, no, I just, I'm just more like, let's say you're a Jake Gordon or, or somebody else, right? And you're on this, you know, long, long tour, you know, off a, in a long season in camp and whatever else. And a lot of these guys will have family and people coming to, you know, visit or tour with them for a bit. And what they've got to do is say to them, sorry, you know, can't spend any time with you. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's team rules, you know, no girlfriend or whoever, wife, family, you know, sister, whoever it is, no, sorry, you can't come back to my room. You know, um, we have to just meet in cafes and, and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and then, so then they stick with that and that, that would be quite tough, right? That you yep. can't spend any time with family or friends or, you know, in, uh, out of the way setting like that in your own sort of place. So if everyone else is doing it and then, cause I can paint another picture, which is that a couple of guys think I'm above this and mm. yeah, no, they're not having a wild party. That's great. But it's still the same for the other guys. It's like, um, yeah, but I can do this. Um, and, and get yeah. away with it. And, and, and that comes back to your point, Reg, which is, well, hang on, if you're senior, you're supposed to know that you just don't do it. Um, so anyway, I guess the arg- some argument some people have said is like, is that really worth two people missing only one of the three games on the whole freaking tour? And it's probably one of the most important ones. Okay, that's conjecture. But if you've set the standard, which is your point which on, the, on the Sefa thing, uh, you kind of, you, you, you're kind of in a bit of a corner on that one, aren't you? Yeah, 100%, I think. Well, um, just just guys, yeah. I've heard one of the reasons that Checker was really angry about this one in particular was because uh, Ashley Cooper's sister-in-law and a couple of others, what they were doing was they were watching tape of old games and analysing performance. Um, and <laughs> that is just really not on and you know in in this wallaby setup i'm learning from our past mistakes it's just not something that this team does and saying what are you doing that exit again you bloody idiots <laughs> um look i wanted to talk about david pocock's late withdrawal and how often we have had a wallaby team pick this year and players pull out late injury but look you know we're, we've already spent i don't know I don't know, half an hour, and we're, we're only under question one or something like that. But that's, that's you know, perplexing to me why we keep having these late pullouts in, in, uh, in you know, the couple of days before games. But we're going to move on to question two, um, and which was, is there any way to turn the Wallabies around? And I guess, you know, what, what, we, what might change for next year? I guess let's start first and foremost, coaching team. Does that change? Is it too late to change that uh, walking into the World Cup, Matt? Oh, I guess I'm in two minds about this one. Uh, I tend to think that we are so far down that path, um, what it means to somebody else. Having said that, you know, we did the same thing. You know, this is exactly the situation in which Checker came in last time, right? Um, So you you can't say that it it can't happen. Um, But uh, I don't know. On, on, On the balance of evils and for who we'd be able to get in and, you know, what would then happen is, so let's say you knocked off check right now, it'd be like a, so who are we getting? Um, you know, we're not getting uh, the, the one man that I am interested in, which is Joe Smith, who is available <laughs> after yeah. the World Cup. So I'm really not interested in having, because what will happen is they'll get someone cheap who's really assistant coach, if lucky, type territory, put them in as a, you know, as, as caretaker and Bob's your uncle that person will stay on. And I'm like, that's not what we need. Um, I think we need a master coach in there who can take, you know, uh, who can get through at least one world cup and who 
a bunch of really good, you know, you know, the Dave Vessels, McKellar's of these worlds can kind of can learn from, um, and 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 really and 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 pull up. And so for me, that probably means you've got to let Checker and team take through. I I I say that I'm still struggling. Like I looked at the season. And on average, we scored two tries and conceded three mm. um, against all opposition um, over this, these 13 games. And so I'm still struggling to understand how Nathan Gray's got a job. Mm. I, I, I really, really struggle. So if there was one thing you're going into World Cup, I don't know how you don't fix up that defence and you get, you know, some super mungo in or just, or no, Taxi Taylor, get you know, if you could, but you won't because he's going to the World Cup with Scotland, I'm guessing. Scotland, so yeah, he is, yeah. yeah. But you, you need, you need, we need someone who knows their shit um, in defence because that's, you know, you've got to get that down to under two tries um, that we're giving away, uh, preferably closer to one. And surprise, surprise, you don't have to ship five to eight tries against New Zealand, as Ireland proved. Yep. So, you know, that if there was one thing you've got to tighten up um, next year and, and all evidence the last five years proves that's not Nathan Gray. So mm. that's probably at least the one thing I, that, that you'd have to do. 100%. Um, what about you, Hugh? I mean, too late for a change of coach. Is it just the assistant coaches or we, we rock on in with all of them? I mean, there's some of the mooted names finally coming out today. Well, they're the same names. Jake White obviously comes up all the time. And there's talk with uh, that yeah, he might be interested. The other one is Scotty Johnson, who I think has been in Scotland, is, is interested in coming back and he might be a contender. Uh, John Cunley's always sort of floating around as well. What's your thoughts on what we need to do there? Yeah, look, I don't know. There's there's two thoughts. It's, you know, what I'd like to see and what probably will happen. Look, I think Czech is probably done. You know, I think we've been speaking about it. And I think, you know, we had a, a pretty passionate discussion in the, the rugby championship about it. And even before, um, end of last year, I recall having a pretty similar discussion um, you know, at this stage, is it a Jake White? I'm look. I'm I'm, I'm not a super fan of Jake White. No. But you know, I, I I don't know. At this stage, it might just be change for change's sake, as as Matt said. And 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 I think what we'll see is a clean out of the assistants. Um, and I, you know, I think that's um, something that needs to happen. And I think the two guys are Larkham and Gray. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that what we've seen from the backs is too has been pretty dismal. Um, you know, the tries that we've scored. Um, I can't remember. I mean, we didn't score any in the Wales game and we scored, you know, two in the England game, one of which was in, in garbage time. Um, and, you know, the, the, the back line has been pretty um, stagnant, um, pretty impotent throughout the whole um, winter. So I think um, I think Bernie Larkham's got to go. And I, I think it's time for a change with Nathan Gray as well. And I think they're the two sort of... Um, that, that we can look to get, you know, I, I think a guy like um, another guy like um, Scott Wisemantle is yeah, another yeah. kick, kicking yeah. around who I've heard really good things about um, from what he did with the, with the former Wallaby side as well. So look, the, you know, getting in some of those some of those backline gurus. Get, um, I'm, I'm willing to give the forwards coach a little bit more time. I think actually, you know, to not to get into question four, but you know, I actually think the performance of the forward pack, um, you know, a few hiccups aside, has been not too bad. This this um, these last three games, and there are signs of improvement there, especially from guys like Isaac Rodder and Adam Coleman, Jack Dempsey, um, and Tolu Latu. So, look, I think that's probably 
you know, enough to rejig a little bit and, and hope that Checker gets a bit of a boot up the arse and, and, and can empower some of his assistants to, to have some chats about game plans because, yeah, it's, it's clear that, that, you know, we've pointed it out a number of times. It's, things aren't working. Yeah, it, it's remarkable, though. I mean, you, you think back after the rugby championship, which finished so poorly for us, um, forgetting the, you know, the big turnaround versus Argentina in that second half. But, you know, he came home, by all reports, was accountable to the board. Everyone was talking then, and I know I was shouting from the rooftops that the, the assistants should go. Um, Gray and Larkham, as you say, Hugh, most notably. Um, and he reported to the board and came out, and they were fully supportive of him, and they maintained his they, – they all maintained their positions. By all reports, you know, Czech is one of the most loyal guys out there, and we stand that's very loyal to a fault. We see that with his standing by his players and standing by his, his um, assistants. And, and so that's where, you know, perhaps we need some fresh ideas. I absolutely agree with you, Hugh. We need new assistant coaches, and those guys can go on. But perhaps we need someone – some sort of selection panel, you know. You know, back in 91, it wasn't all Bob Dwyer, you know, I think Tempo and, um, uh, gosh, I can't even remember. Alec Evans might have been there as well, or John Brass was there too. But, you know, these coaches don't get it all their own way. They need to to have um, some outside advice, and I think that would be invaluable for, for Checker there. The other thing you talk about going forward is Raylene Castle before this test said, before this tour said, three out of three is a pass mark. So we have failed dismally. There's got to be repercussions from that. And, and I'd be staggered if at least one of the assistant coaches didn't go. But then again, I probably wouldn't be surprised on the same boat, it did, you know, given how things operate in rugby in Australia. But it, it, it really needs change. And, and that's what I'd be looking, absolutely assistant coaches, but I'd be looking someone alongside. And I don't know what type of person that is um, alongside checkout just to provide that um, I guess the devil's advocate are wrong those selections because some of those selections are bemusing as well. Um, and, you know, as we'll talk about soon, we've got some good talent about it, just not being harnessed properly. Um, question three, guys, is it, is it time to blow up the whole thing and start again? And I, and I guess this is about, it's sort of going on about that. How do we turn this around? What's happening in rugby in Australia? How do we, you know... Do we, have we seen some careers then on this tour? You know, are there players we won't see again? Or do you think, you know, we'll just start with the same core group of players next year? And Checker keeps talking about that he's got the confidence to set us through. Is he one of these tournament coaches, Matt? That's something that, you know, we've talked about in the past. That will see us through to the World Cup in 2019 with these same group of players. They'll be off to the USA again in the lead-up. You know, they'll, they'll band together and do the right thing and, and come good. Is that realistic or do we have to be quite drastic? Well... Uh, yeah. I'd, I'd like to be. I'd like us to be quite drastic around the coaches, if we could. But you know, having left it this late, a year before a World yeah. Cup, your, 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 your choices are pretty pretty limited. Um, I don't think it's around the players. Like, yeah, you made an earlier comment in, in question one. You, you look down that team, and I can only and including the reserves, and there are only two names that I have question marks over. Not to say that they can't ever become a great player, but yep. just I, I haven't seen anything to show me yet. And um, this is going to sound – and they're both really young guys. And I think, that, like I say, I think they've got a lot of the attributes that make you think they might one day. But on an international stage, I've seen nothing yet. And that is uh, uh, Jack Maddox. And, uh, and I'd say probably 
Ned Hedigan at this point. Um, uh, both really good players. I, I think um, Hannigan can cut it at super level. I've seen nothing at international level. And Maddox just looks completely out of his depth, absolutely out of his depth. Um, yeah, just it's too soon for him. It's not always too soon for young players, but it is too mm. soon for him. And especially yep. with the number of outside backs you've got floating around there, I have absolutely no idea why he's running around. Outside of that, um, everybody, like, you know, um, Isaac Rudder, you know, I was like, yeah, he looks like he's a good super player. How's he doing? He's really come on, you know, he's he's showing so much capability. I think the two sets of front rows we've got now have shown capability at different times, but then flow in and out. Um, you know, I think we've got a number of um, second row stocks you can choose from these days who are all, you know, um, a, 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 a pretty damn good um, you know, okay, the whole back row thing of trying to play two sevens the whole time, but you know, Dempsey um, is, 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 you know, is I think actually showing some real um, skill there. We're probably just missing a little bit of size. So, look, there's so many players there, and I also think through the back line, um, there are some, there's a bunch of great talent, but it's just not being brought together, and it's just not getting, you know, it, 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 these players aren't being brought on, and you can't help but think that they're just being thrown out there and basically told to rev up and you guys will do okay. Um, and that's the bit that I, you know, that needs a radical rethink. It really does. And I'm sorry, it's, it, each of these questions have brought us back to the same. Yeah, thing. yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah. But, but I'm really struggling to see what, you know, what the other answer is here other than they need, a, they need some proper coaches who are, who, are te- who are international test match coaches who will coach players into being test match players not a bunch of guys who are going to freaking wing it. And with the few right refs calls, you never know, they might make it to the World Cup final before they get thrashed by <laughs> New Zealand because yeah. they don't have an all-round game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's because exactly that's what we're going to take to Japan. Yeah. And if, if we get the rub of the green, the, the, you know, the pumped-up kids will give their best uh, and they might just make it through, um, but then, you know, they'll get pants. Um, definitely by the All Blacks, maybe even... Or, or by an island these days. Um, so, um, yeah. So, oh, sorry, I've, I've, I've said it in a different way this time, uh, but I think that's what needs to happen. Yeah, Hugh, I mean, we're all sort of meddling these all together and even, you know, some of the positives for next season, I guess, which was question four. What's your, you know, anything further to add there from that perspective in, in terms of any of three or four? Yeah, no, look, I, I think, you know, Matt's right. I think that as much as some people would love you know, some people on our forums and on our front page would like to see certain players cast aside and never to be picked again. Um, realistically, that's not going to happen. And I think it's going to be, you know, this is our core. There's going to be no, you know, um, radical left field bolters, I imagine, coming through for the World Cup. These are our players. Um, there's a couple of guys that we might like to see in there that aren't there now. But um, look, broadly, I don't think we can blow up and start again as much as, as much as it would be cathartic somewhat to do so. And let's talk some positives, Reg. I've, I've had enough of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's lead us off, mate. What are your positives for the season? Well, look, I, I think looking at some players, I mean, the guy that that's names up in lights for me is Taniela Tupo. I thought, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that performance in the Italy game was probably his his best. And, um, you know, he cleaned up at the John Eels medal and, and has been, you know, showing all the signs of being a 100-plus test wallaby um, and one of our greatest ever props. 
um, you know, in his debut season at such a young age, not only has he been superb at set piece, but he's scored tries, um, he's looked sensational, um, and he is a real find. Um, the most exciting debutant I can remember in, in quite a while. Um, and, and then, you know, even in the last the last few weeks, I think seeing the, the re- return of Jack Dempsey, and I thought he had his best game of the year in, in, a, in a very shortened year um, against England. And... And um, looking at um, probably Tony, um, Tolu Latu as well had a good game. And so, uh, look, I think there's, there's um, you know, that, that level of talent in the forward pack is probably there. Um, and, and they've shown they can put it together a, 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 when they really put their minds to it. So I, I think that's probably the, the, the main positive for me. Not much in the back, sadly. Samu Karevi's probably the one, actually. He, I thought he, he's looked, um, looked pretty good and... Um, you know, really getting over that game line is our only back that looked at all potent um, throughout throughout the uh, the spring tour. So uh, I'd throw those guys out there as our as our positives for for certainly the back half of the season. Um, you know, don't want to talk too much about Super Rugby and other stuff, but um, you know, I think I think Big Taniella, he he's got to be the one, hasn't he? Yeah, and, and you could probably brought. I mean, and you forget about Nelly, where he's come from. I mean, it is a ridiculous story, isn't he? It was, it was effectively recruited off YouTube, but you know, and you've got to get. And he does this himself. I'm sorry, sort of put this on his social media. The thanks he gave Richard Graham. Richard Graham really took him under his wing. You know, he lived with Richard for you know the first start of the season. His family sort of fed him, which would have been a hell of a, an impost. On, on them, but um, really sort of mentored him early. And I think Nick Styles played a big role there. So it was really, a, you know, it takes a village type thing. And every step of the way, he's played a full season with brothers as a, effectively a 19-year-old and won the player of the grand final. And then he was all of a sudden playing NRC and was doing damn well and sort of worked his way into the Reds. And every step, he has stepped up. And he's still so young. So, But if you broaden that, the front rowers this year, um, you know, there's still some question marks at Hooker and I acknowledge what you say about Latu, but... The front rows, I reckon it's been Scott Seo's best season for a while. I think Alan Alabzawa has been very, very good this year. You know, even the re-emergence of James Slipper um, after his dramatic season uh, in the NRC and, you know, back with the Brumbies next year will be exciting. It's finally a position we have some really good depth at, um, which is great to see, and some young guys coming through uh, the system too. You know, each of the Brumbies, even the Western Force with Harry Lloyd, uh, the Reds and the Waratahs have... Um, some very exciting prop depth. Um, Isaac Rodder, you'd mentioned previously, uh, the Italy game, his work at the line he's really, you can see him becoming a student of the game. And I think he will very quickly take over Simmons as that line out general. I think he's, like he read that Italian line out exceptionally. And he, I think he obviously clearly couldn't do it linguistically. You know, I assume he you know, doesn't know the Italian language. So he was reading the play, which is, which is fantastic. And he did well, Sort of marshalling that that uh, that lineup versus England too. So thrilled for those guys, and like you say, Jack Dempsey, and it's a remarkable. He was only playing NRC a couple of months ago, and even then, only a few games. So it's uh, it's great to see him back on on the world stage um, and, and doing so well. Uh, but like you say, outside of that, Hale at Petty's an interesting one, isn't he? He he showed in that last try just what a brilliant attacker he is. But um, he had a fairly mixed game before that, and the only other one is. And again, we're focusing on the England game, but Izzy Flowers try versus England. You know, we haven't seen much of him this year. It's been a real hot and cold season for him. After last year, you know, he killed it with so many tries, record number of tries. This season, you know, he's barely scored any. Um, 
and was great to see him score two tries. But that first try versus England was just easy at his best. And, you know, I just pray to the God of rugby that we see more of that next year. Um, Matt, what about yourself? Yeah, guys, look, I'm just echoing, really. I, I think yep. the, there's a real... I, I think if there's anything that came through this year was that we thought, wow, we've actually got two front rows there. Yeah. Um, and of dynamic... That I mean, if there's anything this tour has done is, it, geez, it's given the the tight five some ball carrying experience, <laughs> yeah, yep. uh, because it's exactly the same pattern that they play off every single ruck, and and actually considering what they get given, they do a pretty good bloody job of it out of that pattern, um, and and they've done that against some you know pretty big teams, um, so I, you know. Uh, I don't want to say that's the master. Uh, that's a master plan coming good. Um, you know, it was like kind of like Checker with the Waratahs didn't let them kick, and you just wondered whether that was something. You know, whether this was like making them run through treacle for a, for a season. But um, you know, and, and kind of play with one hand behind their back. But I thought they all did. You know, they did really well there. And if if we can just get the two hookers, yeah, you know, being able to hit their lineout throws, you, you you can't help but feel that there's a real solid nugget. Of a of a tight five forming there, um, and so yeah, that for me would be the main one. Um, and we can't, I'm just reiterating what both of you guys have said. There's you know we we get those glimmers through the back line. Just oh my god, whatever what shape that they've brought in it this this season though is just so mind blowingly bad. Um, that, that, that and and it's just so clearly clueless um, that it really makes you wonder. But um, I like I say, I just think we've got. I think from one to twenty-three, there are international level players there, like buried underneath some very confused rugby players who aren't being given the best that they could have. And, and I think, strangely enough, that could be dusted off and turned into something pretty damn good, pretty damn quick by the right people. Well, let's hope so. Um, last question is just a bit of a round the grounds, and I guess what is there to look forward to? I'll touch on a couple of guys. Um, World Seven Series. Uh, it's the kickoff for the men's league this weekend. It's the second round for the women in Dubai. Um, and the really interesting for both. So this is Timmy Walsh's first full season with the men. Obviously, he took over halfway through last year. So he's had the Hoff season. He's actually picked a, picked a really strong squad um, for the men, which is exciting. I would suggest it seems almost full strength. I can't see you know too many key players out. So that's really exciting for... Um, them. So that kicks up, I think it's Friday afternoon, our time, or Friday evening. The women play a day earlier. They've had a few injuries. Alicia works back this game, which is great, but there's also some young talent. I don't know if you guys got to see it, but they there was um, an Oceania uh, sevens, and a lot of the teams use it as a bit of a, a development team, and Australia definitely took a development team over, but they made their way to the final and played New Zealand, which was a similar development team with a few of the the top players there, and it was incredible. The windy, rainy, and without doubt, one of the worst refs I've ever seen. And the Aussie women won, and there are some remarkable performances in that. And a couple of those girls have made it into the um, the full-on Aussie team this weekend, so that's exciting for them. So I think they start on Thursday afternoon. They play England, China, USA, and the men play um, uh, Japan, Canada, and England. So decent pools, and that should be uh, good fun to play in. Now, in terms of looking forward to playing, any time you get to watch Charlotte Kaslick and Elliot Green in space, it's it's pretty damn good rugby. So something to look forward to then. And the only other thing I'll add on there is also the Australian schools team have I think they've just left to to um, head over and play Ireland and Scotland. Um, and the interesting thing about this year's 
Australian schools team is it's actually not a schools team anymore. It's Australian schools and 18 squad. So I think there might be, gosh, I don't know, three or four players who actually have left school but are also under 18. And that's helped, helps even us up because we, we've often played against those English under 18 teams of a lot of them being school leavers. So this is just evening them, them up. But that's a, a really strong squad um, as per usual. So it'll be interesting to see what the impact of those um, one year out is. I think it's Max Douglas from New South Wales, Carlo Tizano from Western Australia, who's a super uh, superstar back rower, and uh, Viliami Leah from Queensland. I think that's the out-of-school guys. But that's exciting. They'll play Ireland on December 8th and Scotland on December 12th, as well as a few other academy teams. But um, always exciting, those UK Aussie schoolboys teams. Um, anything else, lads? Anything else worth mentioning? Well, I'm, get, I'm looking forward to being able to get off Foxtel and maybe just get that KO app. KO, yes. <laughs> um, you know, maybe next year I can I can then kind of hold off until... Uh, super rugby season. Yeah, super, super rugby season. So, that's, yeah, so that's, you know, going to save me, I think, about 70 bucks a month, something like that. Um, yeah. And I've, and I've got a new telly uh, this week. So, yeah, I'm, I'm teed up for that. But I'm probably ready... Probably ready for a bit of a break from rugby. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I know you're using, you're going to use sevens to rekindle the fire there, Reg. Well, but it's easier too. It's only I do enjoy watching the sevens, and yeah, you know, I just tune in for those Australian games and and take it from there and watch a bit of the other games when you can. Uh, and you know, it's always good to see the world stage. I mean, the Wallabies are doing poor, but Fiji beat France in an amazing game. So yeah, you know, in the fifteens, it, it's there's still a lot to like about rugby. It's just the poor old Aussie rugby, unfortunately. Mm. Okay, well, and the other thing we can look forward to is um, Hugh. I think you shared that article earlier today about oh yes, um, English rugby going broke. How? I mean, what a what a debacle! <laughs> Good to see that uh, the financial mismanagement is not just confined to us. Although the one I'll also shout out is uh, Joe Schmidt um, pull, pulling the pin at the end of his tenure with Ireland at the end of the World Cup. Um, look, doesn't look like he'll be on the coaching block um, and he'll be spending some time with his family returning to New Zealand. Um, but the other thing it does is just heap the pressure on the Irish and I think that they will be um, going in as almost presumptive favourites after beating the All Blacks and with a coach that's leaving at the end of the campaign, um, geez, it's just going to be hard for them. <laughs> and um, I'm calling it now um, that they will not win the World Cup. I, oh, wow. Yep. I don't think they've got a couple of – I don't think they've got three good games in them. That's my, my prediction. Um, and it's not anything personal. I, I, I like our Irish counterparts, but I, I just um, – that's my one big call for next year is, is um, the World Cup's quite open, but – um, I don't think Ireland will be holding the trophy aloft. Bullshit, it's not personal. You've had it against the Irish for many, many years, <laughs> Cavill, and we know it. Oh, look, that's all in the archives now, Reg. I don't think anyone's... He's quickly going through and deleting a few SoundCloud as we're talking. I certainly don't remember any articles that I wrote. Can we, can, can we talk about Schmidt, though? Because that's starting to form yeah, yeah, a, yeah. a fantasy of mine. Um. I'm assuming there's no way for in for him into the new New Zealand setup, right? Because isn't it going from Hanson to his assistant, one of his assistant coaches, and so therefore, well, I've you know. heard the rumours that Hanson's going to stick around. Okay, so yeah, that wouldn't surprise fit, me either. So, but what that does, it means is some coaches who are waiting for that All Black position who 
might be a little bit cagey and looking for opportunities. So, but I wouldn't be against grabbing a Razor Robertson or someone like that for the Wallaby setup. Um, well, but all I'm saying is, you know, there's Schmidt. Schmidt, uh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, he wants to come back to this part of the world. He wants to be in or near New Zealand. I mean, yep. but he's not. He's not going to get that top job there. No. What else? What else you got? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, you coach Super Rugby. But, um, yep. You know, is that the season you're ripping up there, Edge? Uh, yeah, it's my game plan. Yeah, yeah. He, um, so I mean, it's illogical. I, I, yeah, I'd be surprised if he wasn't thinking about it. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and that would be very, very interesting. I think that's exactly what we need. I think you know somebody to get into the detail, and um, and also clearly, I guess they come with a bit of a blueprint for how they made the, you know the system work in Ireland as well. So. Anyway, that that could be very interesting. But who's looking at that? I mean, we're about to start again. Who's looking at that? I mean, that's not Raylene. She, with all due respect, she doesn't have that knowledge of the global coaching, you know, roundabout. Mm. Is it Rod Kafer or it's not Cameron Klein? I bet maybe Brett Robinson. I don't know. But you just hope someone's some sort of strategic ability is looking at this. I don't know. Our high performance guru, oh, isn't it? Ben Whitaker. Yeah, right. Yep. Isn't that isn't that? Who I, I guess that, that's probably his job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, yeah. If it's if it's not the whole, uh, our use focus, yep. focus and mantra, you wonder what they're doing. Anyway. Yeah, um, that might do us. I think it might be. I think that's it for the season, probably, fellas. Is it? It is good one. I, you know, wasn't there for all of it, but uh, I think we should all pat ourselves on the back for sticking with it and doing as many podcasts as we did. Although it was probably half as many as we used to. Do. Yeah, and to the but, listeners, um, yeah. putting up with our, our, our our sound quality. Um, I think for, for about seven or eight years now, we've been trying really hard to get rid of listeners. Um, <laughs> and for those who, who've stayed, you know, either by not putting podcasts out or doing them out of a toilet bowl, um, you know, there's a few that stick around. So I just want to say thank you for those guys. Yeah, thanks. And Green and Gold Rugby will still be around. We'll be covering things that we can and the news and all that sort of stuff. And the forum's always there. Whether the podcast is back next year, we just don't know. We'll make no promises there. But Hugh and Matt, thanks for your time. To Nick in the producer's booth, you're a legend, mate. Thanks for keeping us going. Um, and to all our listeners, thank you for uh, for sticking with us. And uh, we'll be around in some format next season. But uh, get out there, enjoy whatever rugby you can if you need a break from it. Do that, and we'll uh, look forward to 2019. Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Gregan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a beer.